It's time for another edition of Your Home Discovery, broadcast nationally on AM and FM radio stations, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and more, plus easily found on most social media channels. Podcast available at yourhomediscovery.com. Your Home Discovery, keeping everything around your home sweet home looking great. Now, here's your host, Charlie Campbell. Welcome back to another edition of Your Home Discovery. I am Charlie Campbell, hoping we cover your thoughts, topics, questions, whatever may involve a repair, a renovation, a remodel, or new construction for your home. We have a lot of different topics to cover today, and we're jumping right into the email box, info at yourhomediscovery.com. We are going to North Carolina for this question. This one comes in from Taryn in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a photo that I will show on our social sites. It is a photo talking about why are there two water heaters in this house. And so to give you the the, the kind of summarize the rest of the email, um, Taryn is looking at purchasing this property in Raleigh, North Carolina, and she has questions about why there are two water heaters. And, you know, sometimes you take things for granted when you you understand industry jargon. And I'm not dating myself here, but I've been around this long enough that certain things are just like, oh, okay, there's two. But when you have never seen that before, I completely get why that would be a question. How much stored hot water we have is based upon need, typically. So when a home is constructed, it's designed for the amount of bathing load and hot water usage. That's how much hot water we typically store. And We're going to talk two different directions. We're going to talk old school thinking and then newer school thinking. Older school thinking, let's see if we can get by with one, obviously, because we saved some money, and we only put one heater in. In this particular case, judging from the photo I'm looking at, they needed more than just one heater. It also appears to me as if the domestic water supply looks piped in a little goofy to me. Um, There's a couple of different ways that we can pipe two water heaters in. We can pipe them in what's called in series, or we can pipe them in in what's called parallel. Series piping basically takes the incoming cold water, goes into the first heater, hot water then leaves that first heater and feeds the second heater heater. Then we leave the second heater to distribute to the faucets in the home. If the only thing that we're feeding is domestic hot water to the structure, I really don't recommend the series piping. It is the easiest to execute for installation, so I understand why it's used so often. You simply cut the water pipe, connect it to the cold, Then however far apart the second one is, we come out of that, go into the second one, and then we take hot out of the second one. 
There's a couple of downfalls to that style piping. Number one, you have no redundancy. And by that I mean with two mechanical, doesn't matter how many mechanical devices you have, at some point there's going to be a failure on that device. If you have two tank-type water heaters, you're in pretty good shape for redundancy if they're piped correctly in that when, not if, one fails, couple of ball valves turned a couple of different directions, and we still have hot water to the property. We simply use the other one as if we only have one in the structure. When you pipe them in series, cold into the first, hot out of the first, into the second, hot out of the second to the property, you're still in good shape if the first one fails mechanically because it can be a tempering tank and then feed tempered water to the second heater and we still have hot water to the structure. If the second heater fails mechanically, we will never get hot water to the structure because we're always going to feed tempered water. We're not heating in that second unit, which is the one where the water is supplied from. Now let's talk about the main reason that we have to replace a water heater is they tend to spring a leak. The reason for that is really quite simple. Anytime you heat water, you create the smallest amount of electrical charge. Water heater manufacturers understand this, and so they put a sacrificial anode rod in the water heater's tank designed to absorb that electrical charge created when we heat the water so that we preserve the life of the tank. As that anode rod degrades, we lose our ability to protect that tank. So after that has degraded, if it does not get replaced, we're now suscepting the tank to taking that small electrical charge, which inevitably manifests itself into a water heater leak. If in our series piping, our water heater leak is on that second heater, we have to valve that off. We cannot bypass and get water out of that first one to the structure. The best way to install two water heaters is called parallel. We bring that cold water supply down to a T. At that T, we go two directions. And we have to go equal distances to our 90-degree turns going down into the heater. The, th this has to be an equal distance because water will flow and favor the path of least resistance. So if we come straight down and we only T over to the second water heater, our flow path is going to be the easiest into and out of that first heater, and so we won't get an equal usage. We bring our supply down, T it equal distances outside both directions from that T, and then we 90 down into the two heaters. We have to do the exact same thing on the hot outlet. We want to take both hot outlets out of the tank, 90 those towards each other, and have a T in the middle 
of that run between the two 90-degree bends. That T is our supply to the property. If we get the ball valves in the right places, when we have a mechanical failure or when we have a leak on either unit, we can turn off two ball valves and we will favor our only path of resistance and that is through the good heater that works. Redundancy kicks in. Now, the day before Thanksgiving, you have a house full coming. You have a water heater leak. I don't know how these things know to leak the day before a holiday. I don't know. We have several um, several answers to that, but I don't know that I believe any of them. Some of them are Murphy and some of them Murphy's Law or whatever that is. I don't know. Those things tend to follow. So we want to make sure that we have a way to create that redundancy when we have two heaters. Now, when we really dig into this photo deeper, we also see that there are inlets on the side of the heater, which would tell me that this is a dual-purpose tank that has another heat exchanger inside the unit. And it appears to me as if we might be using solar to heat that water in addition to the energy source provided, which appears to be gas. So there's a lot more to this. And so I've asked for more photos. We'll get deeper into that. But I so often get the question about how two water heaters need to be piped together. We also need to cover a little bit of, of, uh, of the future and where water heating for domestic use, for, for hydronic heating use is headed, and it's not in stored tanks. Tankless water heating or flash heating the water as it's being used is really becoming the most popular plan for domestic hot water. It same concept is being used for hydronic heat and then they some manufacturers make a model that does both and it's called a, a combi unit and it will supply so many BTUs of, of domestic hot water and it will also handle the heat load on the heating side. So a lot of different options when it comes to tankless water heating. We're going to talk briefly about tankless water heating next. Stay with us right here on Your Home Discovery. Stay tuned. Your Home Discovery continues straight ahead. Your Home Discovery now continues. Here's your host, Charlie Campbell. We are back on Your Home Discovery. I am Charlie Campbell. We're going through emails, info at yourhomediscovery.com. If you've got a thought, a topic, a question, you're thinking of building, adding, remodeling, whatever it is, I would love to hear from you. Let's talk about your project. We received an email with a photo of two tank-type water heaters, and it's the first time that this person had seen two water heaters in a property. So the email came in, why does this home have two water heaters? And that's Taryn in North Carolina, and this is an awesome question. I love questions that make us think outside the box a little bit. It's important that you understand when you're dealing with contractors 
that we all get stuck in our own jargon and our history. So once we have seen things so many times, they just become second nature. Our industry has seen tank-type water heaters forever. The future is getting away from that stored tank of hot water, and we are lending ourselves more toward tankless water heating, which brings us to our next email, info at yourhomediscovery.com. I'm curious about an instantaneous water heater for a property. What are your thoughts? Do they really work? Well, I want to break apart some more industry jargon because stored tank-type water heaters have been around for years. In fact, I just saw a photo. I'm going to post this photo on our social sites as well. It is a heater that is right around 60 years old. Pretty interesting to look at the construction, the color it was painted. It's just interesting to look at that. It's been heating water. I don't even know how it's still working. But anyway, we've had tank-type water heating for a very, very long time. We are now looking at tank-less water heating. In other words, we're flash heating the water as it travels through the heat exchanger so that we're not managing a vat of hot water when we're not needing it. We're not there. We're gone. We're at work. We're on vacation. We're wherever we are. We're sleeping. We don't need to keep a large quantity of water hot. And where the, the, the confusion begins to end up is, and we don't really even think about this because it becomes second nature. We've learned that you can't run the dishwasher and the washing machine and then take a shower. We, we, we've kind of learned how we can use the products in our home based on experience when we have run out of hot water. Well, I learned the other day, you do two loads of laundry and a load of dishes. You don't want to take a shower right away. It takes a little while to have hot water again. We start learning how to live with our mechanical system. We may not know that we have X number of gallons of stored hot water waiting for us. But what we do know is after I do this and this, I need to wait just a little while. Maybe we don't have the technical jargon of how many gallons it is, how it's powered, how it's piped. Those things aren't as relevant, and we don't really think about this. As it becomes second nature to us, we know if we've done these things in our home, we need to give our hot water system a little chance to recover. Our microwave society does not like this idea of wait. We want everything right now. So, the tankless water heater has become very, very popular. The struggles with it are, first off, my opinion, it's the marketing side of things. Because you have a multitude of manufacturers that are making a tankless product that will flash heat water on the flow. Now, I don't have a stored vat that I'm going to run out of hot water. I'm going to heat it as I need it. There's a lot of efficiencies in heating it as you need it. Marketing people 
like to use fancy adjectives that can somehow mislead us. I go back to the email. Can you give me your opinion on an instantaneous water heater? We're thinking, okay, so here we go. There's the word instantaneous. What does that mean to you? What it means to me is right now. It doesn't mean an endless supply. Instantaneous to me doesn't mean an endless vat of hot water. It simply means I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it now. So if you talk to your contractor about the home you're considering building, a renovation that you're undertaking, or simply the maintenance of replacing a tank-type water heater, and you say, I want to go with one of those newer uh, instant water heaters, someone might hear that and think that you mean a tankless, install the tankless, and then you turn the faucet on and find out that you don't have immediate hot water. Instantaneous water heaters have also been around a very long time. Instantaneous water heaters are used in places like the mall, the little dress shop that has one bathroom in the back. The only hot water in that little shop is the sink where you wash your hands in the commercial restroom. There's no bathing fixtures. This is just one faucet for the sink. And if you look below that sink, there could be a little box mounted on the wall and it is electric and it is simply connected to that one faucet and that you could call instant hot water because of the proximity to the faucet that that little electric heater exists there's just not enough piping to go from that to the faucet that it would take much time those are the instantaneous heaters they're made by several different manufacturers. Chronomite is one of them. There's, there's several of them. They're typically only found in a commercial environment for one specific faucet. Tankless water heating does not mean that you're going to get the water at the fixture 106 to 110 degrees any quicker than you did with a tank type. What creates the speed at which you get that hot water is how you might be recirculating that hot water from the tank or the tankless out to that farthest fixture. The reason when you run a recirculating line that you go to the farthest away fixture is that typically allows you the intended consequence of picking up all the fixtures along the way. I have 125 degree water available much closer now because I have this loop that I am keeping hot a long distance away from the water heater. Where this gets more complex and it's tough to explain without a drawing is when we have the water heating equipment in the middle of the home and we have a long run two different directions. There are ways around every one of these scenarios. There are ways to create hot water very quickly at the faucet with a tankless, with a tank type. That's all about piping and pumps. It's not so much about the type of heater. So tankless is designed to flash heat water so that you can turn that faucet on and it will run and run until you shut it off. Now, there is a 99-minute timer 
in most of them to make sure that something isn't just accidentally left on. So you're paying for all that hot water while it just continues to go down the drain. But at the end of that 99 minutes and it shuts down, you shut the faucet off, you turn it back on. So the bottom line is you can have seven children, two adults, you can all take back to back to back to back to back showers and you don't ever run out of hot water because we're not storing it that we have to make up for later. We're heating it as it flows. There's a lot of of side streets to this conversation. We could spend the rest of the program talking about those side streets. We're going to cover a few. Another email, info at yourhomediscovery.com. I have a recirculating pump on my water heater bringing hot water to the master bathroom. Lately, it hasn't been performing like I feel it should. We're getting cold water more often than we're getting hot water. And it appears as if it's primarily at the shower and the lavatory. Cross connections are another thing that can occur in the hot water system. Again, water is going to favor that path of least resistance. When you have a faucet that has both hot and cold in the same stem, in other words, single handle fixture, it's very easy for that to fail and allow the cold water, which has an easier chance of making it to the faucet than the hot does because we don't have that heater that we have flow restriction within to get through. Cross connections cause more problems that create work that it shouldn't. More on that next. More helpful ways to build and improve your home sweet home are straight ahead. Stay tuned. Your home discovery now continues. Here's your host, Charlie Campbell. Thanks for staying with us here on this edition of Your Home Discovery. I don't know, but today we're in some hot water. At least that's what we're talking about. Tank type heaters, tank less water heaters, instantaneous water heaters, and then some of the perils and the side streets that come with whatever type of hot water you happen to have in your home or in your building. The cross-connection that we were starting to talk about, that thing can get really, really goofy to explain. There are so many specifics that involve your specific piping fixtures and the problem you're having. If you're experiencing an odd scenario with hot water delivery that has really been a struggle to figure out, it could very easily be a cross-connection, something we're more than happy to help you here at Your Home Discovery. All you have to do is shoot us an email, info at yourhomediscovery.com. We'd love to get more information from you and see what we can do to help you. So, how else can I get hot water to a fixture on the opposite side of our home. I'm reading an email, info at yourhomediscovery.com, that says it is 62 feet from the water heater to my kitchen, and my kitchen seems to be the farthest away fixture. It takes two and a half minutes to get good hot water flow early in the morning. We have visited with a plumbing contractor who suggested a recirculating line. However, he said it would be fairly costly 
because we do have a finished basement. I have another email from last week, very similar question about a recirculating line on hot water. This home is slab on grade. These scenarios make it very difficult if it's not pre-piped for a recirculating line to get hot water very quickly. Manufacturers have figured out how to get you hot water pretty quickly. There is a company, Grunfoss. They make a paraffin wax valve, basically, and it is designed to go at that farther away fixture. And there's a pump that goes on the water heating equipment so that we can pressurize that hot water about one pound greater than the cold. You put this paraffin wax valve in at that remote fixture that connects the hot and the cold, and the wax valve is designed to close or shut down that flow when it reaches that 100, 105, 110 degree temperature. So we're keeping that hot water supply line just as warm as if you walked in and turned the faucet on after someone else had already been in there running it for a while. The downfall where people fail to really explain the unintended consequence is that we are putting hotter than cold water in the cold water piping. We are using the existing cold water piping to return that water, to make that loop back to our water heating equipment. Difficulty we come into here is it's the opposite consequence. Original statement. It takes forever to get hot water to the kitchen sink. New statement with this style recirculating system where you use existing piping. Now it takes quite a while to get cold water to the kitchen faucet. I turn the faucet on and it's cold and it runs for quite some time before it really gets cold because that paraffin wax valve runs hot water through the valve, pushes it back through the cold side to resupply back to the heater, and we're pumping that loop, and we are heating up the hot water supply. What we don't go on to explain, even though it's right in front of us, is that we're also heating up the cold line, not quite as much as the hot, but we are heating it up. There are also pumps manufactured that you can put under your kitchen sink, if it's a long ways away, you can put it under a lavatory faucet and it will connect hot to cold and it's thermostatically controlled and it will just pull from the hot and push into the cold until it reaches the temperature and it shuts off. You can also set these on timers. There are things called hot buttons. There's all kinds of different opportunities to pump that line long enough to get that hot water over to the fixture. And what do we do? We warm up the pipe, we warm up the rest of the water in the pipe, we warm up that thermal mass. Now, when we go to request hot water at the fixture, we have it pretty darn quickly. The difficulty, again, in using existing piping is the unintended consequence that our cold side is now also a little warm. We need to be aware of what we do and don't want. We might start focusing on the fact we don't want that kitchen sink faucet to run for two minutes before it gets hot 
from the opposite side of the house. What we could easily miss is that do we want the cold side to run for a minute before it gets super cold? Is there a need for 50, 55 degree water at that kitchen sink? Do we need that cold water right away? We have to start thinking about those things when we get into these using your existing piping to recirculate the hot water. Next question, info at yourhomediscovery.com from two weeks ago is asking about a tankless water heater and its maintenance. It says, I had a tankless water heater installed 18 months ago and the contractor called and asked if I was ready for the annual maintenance. I didn't know that my tankless heater was going to require annual maintenance. My old water heater never did. Can you enlighten me? Depending upon the manufacturer of that tankless product, there are a number of different things that may need to be performed, typically on an annual basis. There are filters that need to be cleaned, screens. We also need to think about the fact that hot water fails to retain calcium, or calcium, magnesium, minerals, hardness. It fails to retain that in suspension nearly as well as cold water can. So as we take cold water and heat it, we have that calcium magnesium mineral dropping out. We go back to the first tankless explanation where we were talking about flash heating water. If I'm going to flash heat water in a very small heat exchanger, it means that the passageways that water is traveling through are very thin, very small, easy to heat quickly. If we're in a very thin or small environment and we raise the temperature and our calcium-magnesium mineral fall out of that water, we tend to build up mineral deposits in that heat exchanger. That is the servicing that is required by every tankless water heater manufacturer. What's on the bubble is how often it has to be done. And the reason that's on the bubble, and it's tough to really tell in the instructions, is they do not know where in the country you're installing this heater. Are you doing it in Oregon? Are you doing it in North Carolina? Are you doing it in, in, in Oklahoma City? It depends upon the hardness of the water that's coming through it. It also depends on the usage. How much water are you going to run through that heater? How much hot water are you going to use? Questions that come up on tankless water heating is, wow, now I'm going to save money on my energy bills. Can you tell me exactly how much money I'm going to save? Let's go back to the conversation about how we learn how to live and exist in our homes based upon how our home works with us. We know I can't run three loads of laundry, run the dish machine, and then go take a shower. I need to give my system a little chance to build up. That's our tank type scenario. When you go to the tankless scenario, you have a different scenario going on. Now, all of a sudden, I don't have to live different. Now, all of a sudden, I don't have to get out of the shower in two and a half minutes. Now, I can take a seven-minute shower. Okay, if I changed my usage, did I save enough money to match those dollar savings that they say I'm going to save when I go tankless. It's all about usage. 
if you use the exact number of gallons of hot water with a tankless as you did with a tank type, yeah, most likely you are going to save energy dollars because that tank type is not continuing to keep that vat of hot water hot. The unit shuts off when you shut the faucet off. That is another email that I had. This has been three weeks ago, and I replied back. We've we've talked on email three or four times, and I explained we kind of put these all things together and cover them all in one program. And this was about the the they call it in the industry the cold water sandwich. That's kind of a crazy. What in the world is a cold water sandwich? Well, you're going to learn about that cold water sandwich. All you have to do is sit back, relax, have another cup of coffee, and don't go away. Back in seconds. Stay tuned. Your home discovery continues straight ahead. Your home discovery now continues. Here's your host, Charlie Campbell. Thanks for staying with us. I hope you've enjoyed this very hot water edition of Your Home Discovery. What we were talking about moments ago was a term in the industry of tankless water heating called a cold water sandwich. What in the world is that? It's the phrase that manufacturers have come up with based upon a complaint that often arises from certain tankless water heating installations. First off, in order to flash heat the water, we're using natural gas or we're using LP gas. So with high efficiency condensing equipment, the way that this operates is it first has to sense a water flow in order to activate our burner. So we're going to begin heating the water, but not until we start moving it. So let's forget water for a second and let's talk about gas and the operation of the burner. In order for the burner to operate, it has to be told to start. Telling it to start happens when the water moves. But once the communication, start heating the water, comes from the boss, which is the flow switch, the first thing that has to happen is that our fan goes, our, our, our draft exhaust fan goes into what's called pre-purge. Pre-purge has air switches throughout so that it's measuring the pressure or the vacuum, depending upon the model, of the exhaust venting. We want to confirm, it's a governmental standard, to confirm that we are moving air. Well, why is it a standard? Because we don't want to have a gas-fired ignition occur if we don't have proper exhaust. With tankless units in specific, most all of them are direct vent. In other words, I am pulling air from outside and I am using the air I'm pulling from outside as my exhaust flue. If I have adequate exhaust pressure in the exhaust system on the flue pipe that also tells me that I have adequate intake air. 
So I'm confirming a couple of things after that call for ignition. I'm confirming that I do have good intake air. I have good exhaust air. It is working. It is moving. If I know it's moving, I know I have removed any potential for just blowing this byproduct of combustion exhaust into the property because of the pressurization of the piping. Some units are equipped with safeties that if this piping isn't fully inserted in the unit, it will shut down. That was a long explanation, but the reality is before we can fire the burner, we have to ensure that we're moving air properly. So that's called pre-purge. The fan is running, we're moving air, and we're measuring the pressurization in the unit. This all happens fairly quickly, but at the end of the day, I'm moving air. And when you shut that faucet off, the flow switch stops. So the boss says, okay, stop heating. What happens next when it says, okay, stop heating is called post-purge. Now what we want to do is get rid of the exhaust gases that remain in that flue. The way that we do that is post-purge. Flow switch stops, ignition fire, the, the heat from the natural gas supply stops. If you shut off your fuel supply, you shut off the flame. This is exactly how furnaces operate as well. After the thermostat is satisfied, it communicates to the furnace, okay, I'm done with the fire. The fire shuts off, but the fan is still going. We're still moving air from our return air ductwork to our heating supply trunk. We're continuing to take heat from the heat exchanger to supply the home. On a tankless water heater, we are simply getting rid of our exhaust gases. But the unintended consequence of pre-purge and post-purge is I'm moving air across the heat exchanger. What's inside the heat exchanger? Water. We talked earlier that we're flash heating water. We talked earlier that the movement of that water and raising that temperature causes that calcium magnesium mineral to fall out, creating a need for a service call. At least every 18 months or so, depending upon the manufacturer of that tankless equipment, but if we think about, you get up in the morning, you go into the bathroom, get your shower turned on, and you start enjoying the, the, the preparation for the day. Shampoo, body soap, whatever it is that happens, you complete that process, and when you're done, and you know the next person's coming in for a shower, you don't just leave it running and say, eh, eh, shower's still running for you. What you do, typically, is shut that shower valve off. When you did that, you sent the unit into post-purge. We are cooling a little bit of that water that's in that heat exchanger because we're running air across it now without the fuel source. So now I'm cooling that water, and then next person comes into the, to the bathroom. It's their turn. They turn the valve on. Flow switch says, I need heat. Pre-purge happens. So I have had post-purge, a few minutes of downtime, and then pre-purge, and I have moved air across that heat exchanger twice. I've cooled that water. However, the water in the hot water supply pipe that's going 45 feet across the home, 10 feet up, 6 feet over, and into the shower valve, it didn't have any of that air from pre-purge and post-purge moving across it. It had no time to really cool back down. 
the mass of that water piping also warmed up during the first shower, so we have pretty decent hot water flow. Second person gets in the shower, shower is just wonderful, and about a minute and a half later, whoo, there's this shot of cold water. That's why they call it a cold water sandwich. We can eliminate that. There is one manufacturer in particular I know, Navian, makes an A model, which has a built-in recirculating pump. It has about a liter of stored hot water, and it circulates to keep that supply that's leaving the tankless hot, eliminating that cold water sandwich. We do have thermistors throughout a tankless water heater. A thermistor is nothing more than an electronic thermometer, basically. It's measuring the water temperature, and through wiring, it is communicating that temperature to the electronic control board. Yes, this is all fairly high-tech, but it's not any more high-tech than the 90-plus percent furnaces that most homes today are getting during construction or what we are replacing 15 to 25-year-old equipment with. We're putting this in on our furnaces. It's working just great. The exact same type concept is used with some tweaks for tankless water heating. Back to the servicing, though, you do want a technician's eyes on this thing at an interval based upon, number one, what the manufacturer suggests as far as how often someone should be looking this. Number two, the hardness of the water coming in. And number three, the usage pattern, how much water you are using. If you're a family of one and you shower every other day, you're not going to need your heater serviced nearly as quick as someone with hardness that is at double your level, six people in the home, at least four showers a day. Six people in the home means more laundry, more water going into the wash machine, more dishes being generated, more hot water. In other words, more flow. Maybe you have a hot water problem to a remote fixture. Maybe you're running out of hot water prematurely. Maybe you want to know more about tankless water heating, tank type water heating. Info at your home discovery. Com. Would love to have any photos that you can send. If you go to our website, yourhomediscovery.com, there's a place on there called Ask Charlie. And there's this technological people are so cool. They make this little paper clip and it's on there. And you click the paper clip and it allows you to add photos. Photos, especially in the mechanical trades of plumbing, heating and air conditioning, electrical, photos are amazingly helpful. The people in floor covering in countertops and cabinets. They're going to tell you the exact same thing. Photos are worth a lot. It tells a lot about the question that you're asking. So if you have a fairly detailed question, take that smartphone, snap some photos, and then visit yourhomediscovery.com. Click on Ask Charlie, upload those photos, shoot your question to me. I would love to hear from you. We will see you again soon. Thanks for enjoying another edition of Your Home Discovery with Charlie Campbell, a presentation of CQH Ranch, LLC. Keeping everything around your home sweet home looking great. 
broadcast nationally on AM and FM radio stations, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and more, plus easily found on most social media channels. Tune in again soon for more tips and ideas to keep your home sweet home looking great. Podcast available 24-7, yourhomediscovery.com.